Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by it Green. Is. It is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is ready, is primed, is on the edge of its seat, is ready to go. Yes, we are mere days away from the 2020 NFL season. Uh, I, I still can't believe it. And uh, I don't think anybody else can, especially it's been a long year, hasn't it? Everything uh, has been going on. It's been quite distressing and stressful in many different ways. Um, but I, it's, it's days away. It's me days away, Nathan Palmer, isn't it? It is indeed, my son. And I think both of us were quite sceptical as whether the season would go ahead about a month or six uh, six weeks ago. And here we are. With yeah, like you said, mere days to go until the Bengals open the season against the I was going to say San Diego Chargers, but the Los Angeles Chargers um, to kick things off. So here we go. Indeedy, how exciting! Are you pumped, Nathan? Are you pumping? <laughs> uh, yes, I am pumping. Um, no, I, I can't wait, mate. I'm absolutely buzzing now. Like I've got some food lined up for, <laughs> for Sunday. I've got me, um, it's got a late game, isn't it? Which is actually quite tasty because like, yeah, yeah. naturally you're going to, you're going to sort of have a few beers and watch the six o'clock games, get some food. in. So it's going to be a big old session on Sunday, really like, you know, seeing it through from sort of half five all the way through until about what our game will probably finish about half, half 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a bit of a, a tasty old Sunday, I would say. Have you got the Manabria in? Oh, mate, I haven't. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go out. You're going to get grateful, aren't you? The local co-op needs to be fully prepared for my arrival. There's going to be a full-on Palmer onslaught. He's going to be waving his cash around like loads of money uh, in the uh, the Harry Enfield uh, comedy character. He's coming for co-op. He's coming for your Manabria and your vegetarian meat products. <laughs> And sour cream oh, and nachos. Mate. It's all about the nachos, mate. It's all about the nachos. That's that's what I'm, I've got fully lined up. Like I'm a nachos connoisseur, mate. Honestly, I'd call you more of a fiend than a connoisseur. I've seen you I'll take snaffle it. into those nachos like you were some sort of pig <laughs> diving into a, a trough full of oats. You are fully in there. You've got sauce Just... running down your mouth, and you don't care. You turn into an animal. <laughs> You're not wrong, my son. You're not wrong at all. <laughs> well, let's let's. I'm, I'm looking for. I'm. Lo- I want to see you post a picture of juice all over your chin on Sunday <laughs> evening, because that mean that says to. I tell you two things that mean uh, football season to me. Right, is the nights drawing in slightly, but the day is still mild and very pleasant. Uh, and then seeing Nathan Palmer with juice all over his chin. I want to see, I want to see fruity juice all over his lips oh. and face. Oh my. That's when I know football season's really here. Uh anyway, we digress as ever. That is a shock. Um it seems like a lot has happened since last week, Nathan, doesn't it? Mate, it's, the, the wheels are rolling at a minute, aren't they? I mean, during the off-season, me and you were scraping the barrel at times, and now it's like we, you know, we're barely able to get it all in one episode. It's a bit of an onslaught at the moment. And make no bones about it, this will be 
uh, an onslaught of an episode. Uh, it might be quite long, actually, because it is our annual season preview um, uh, episode. A bit later on, we've got Jeff Hobson coming up, Uncle Jeff. He'll be back making his sixth appearance on the podcast. He's got lots of good stuff to say. Uh, we've got uh, predictions from a bunch of Bengals fans from across the UK, so you'll hear them. Uh, lots of correspondence. And then me and Nathan talking nonsense. So what more could you want in the lead-up to the season? Honestly, I don't know what more you could I want. I mean, there's a lot of season previews out there for a lot of other, you know, reputable journalists and other fans. But realistically, this is where the real preview is, isn't there? There's not many other... Like, if you're going to listen to one season preview, this has got to be it, if you ask <laughs> Exactly. Um Right, where should we start? Let's let's just look, quickly skim over the news that happened last week, shall we? So here we go. Uh, Joe Mixon has signed a four-year extension worth, off the top of my head, $48 million. Um, what else? Yes, Austin Calitro was traded to the Denver Broncos and in return re-received defensive tackle Christian Covington. Uh, Stanley... Christian Covington. Oh, no, I haven't finished yet. Shut up. Stanley Morgan was cut. Um, and then put on the Patches squad. The what else? Who else was caught? I can't remember. There were lots of things going on last week. What? Remind me, Nathan. Come on. Um, I don't know. Something that's about it, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's probably about it actually. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Hart is still on the team. Can you believe that? No, no. Well, I think we all knew it, didn't we? The Bengals love a bit of Bobby, but. Um, Christian Covington is literally this is the that is the most solid of solid handles. It is literally like a Boston-based detective, isn't it? <laughs> Christian Covington just sort of purveying the streets of Boston, like rolling about, and he's like big trench coat, just solving crimes in the nineteen sixties. Absolutely, what a name that is! Oh yeah, we picked up uh, Shaquille Calhoun as well from the Dolphins. We used our top waiver hit with. Uh, uh, for a another ex-Miami Dolphin player, an offensive lineman. Uh, oh, yeah, Alex Redman was cut as well. It's still going on. It's all coming back to me, Nathan. Alex Redman was cut. Uh, Shaq Calhoun. You moaned about the names last week. What more of a solid handle can you get than Shaq Calhoun? He sounds like someone out of a, a Western, like a saloon owner in a Western film. You're, you're, the juices are flying at your end, son, aren't they? You, oh, your balls have swollen up and it's all coming out. <laughs> oh, dearie me. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so uh, basically a lot happened last week. Anything that particularly caught your eye? Uh, talking about solid, though, uh, not only has he got a solid handle, he's he's, he's massive. Christian Covington, have you seen the size of his arms? They're like, I don't know, the size of... Bournemouth. Sort of an Eddie Stobart lorry. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's enormous. He's enormous, gentlemen. Of course, we needed some depth on that defensive line. So, uh, Calitro's gone, which means our old pal, our old chum, our old mucker, Marcus Bailey, has made the 53, which is uh, tremendous news, I think. Yeah, I think of all the uh, all the sort of camp battles, that was one that was an interesting one to watch. Because Calitro, I think he was um, picked up as with our number one waiver priority, and people, a lot of people thought with his experience he might make the team. But obviously Bailey proved his spot, and we take a very young, inexperienced, but very exciting linebackers um, corp going into next uh, going into this season. So 
watch this space. Yeah, a bit of a question mark over that line back in core, I think, really, just because of the youth and the inexperience. It's high risk, high reward, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they've really gambled on it. They've, re- I mean, it's been a bit of an issue for us for a while, the linebackers. They've gone with the youth. They've gone with the um, sort of the risky but youthful approach and a lot of these guys you know Akeem Davis Gaither Logan Wilson Mm. obviously Marcus Bailey Jermaine Pratt's only going into his second year so it's a very thin group in terms of experience obviously you have Josh Bynes who's been around the block a bit but it's going to be they're going to be put to put to work I think absolutely um let's let's just go through the 53 shall we and um these are the lads that are going into battle for us this season. We've got Hakeem Adenergy, Mackenzie Alexander, Gino Atkins, Marcus Bailey, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Giovanni Bernard, Tyler Boyd, Andrew Brown, Tony Brown, Randy Bullock. It's a bit like uh, the conveyor belt in uh, the generation game, this, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to ask you if you can recite all these back to me in a moment, uh, Nathan. Uh, Joe Burrow, Josh Bynes, Shaq Calhoun. That's such a solid handle, that is. Uh, Seathan Carter, Christian Covington, Mike Daniels, Paul Daniels. No, not really. Haki- uh, sorry, Akeem, Akeen Davis Gaither, Carlos Dunlap, Alex Erickson, Jordan Evans. Was retained. Uh, Ryan Finley, AJ Green, Clark Harris, the legend that is Clark Harris, Bobby Hart, uh, T Higgins, Trey Hopkins, Sam Old Mother Hubbard, Kevin Hubes Huber, William Jackson III, Fred Johnson, Michael Jordan, Khalid Kareem, Carl Lawson, Tori McTyre, who was re signed yesterday after Trey Waves was put on, uh, officially put on IR, Joe Mixon, Sam RJ, P. Ryan, Darius Phillips, Jermaine Pratt, Billy Price, DJ Reader, John Ross, Drew Sample, LaShawn Sims, Xavier Surfilo, Auden Tate, Mike Thomas, CJ Uzuma, Jonah Williams, Sean Williams, Travion Williams, Brandon Wilson and Logan Wilson. On the IR list is uh, the aforementioned Trey Waynes and Rennell Wren. The practice squad is looking like this. Freedom, Akin Muladon. Brand- solid handle. It really is a solid handle. Uh, Brandon Allen, Amani Bledsoe, Kendall Futrell. Solid handle. Travion Henderson, Trenton Irwin, who looks like, uh, looks like, I don't know what he looks like, some sort of heavy metal dude. Uh, Josh Nipfel, Khalil McKenzie, Stanley Morgan, Jacques Patrick, Winston Rose, Solid Andal. Mason Shrek, Scotty Washington, and Mitchell Wilcox. So they are your Bengals for 2020. I can't believe you've just read out every man on the roster and every man on the practice squad, my son. It's a commitment right there. Absolutely. And there were some very solid handles there, weren't there? What, which was the solidest? Did you like the Freedom Akunmuladun? I can't. I think freedom's freedom's got to be top three. I think Christian Covington is a top three. You're happy with that, aren't you? You're happy with the I'm, I'm with happy the cough. With Christian Covington. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, uh, so there are uh, guys going into the season. Uh, obviously, Dude, the... just on that subject, my son. Sorry yeah, to cut on. your beautiful voice off mid sentence. No, I know you hate me for that. Cut away. But go on. Obviously, a big topic there is that Jake Doligala 
is not on that practice squad, is he? I didn't hear his name. Come no, up. that's right. Bit of a shock there, isn't it? So they've only gone with two quarterbacks, which mm. I think most people were slightly surprised about, especially considering the uh, considering the inexperience there with Burrow obviously being a rookie and Ryan Finley going into his second year. Brandon Allen, who has started some games in the NFL, put on the practice squad because he's eligible for that one. And then obviously... Dolly Gala, a lot of people I think had some high hopes for, has just fallen by the wayside. So obviously, can't have had a fantastic camp. Mm. But very surprising to me, anyway, that the Bengals didn't have some interest, be it um, to get him after waivers or during waivers, to get Josh Rosen as some, you know, obviously with a high ceiling there, low contract, um, to stuff him on the roster as sort of a third quarterback, just to have some potential there. I mean, the one thing about Rosen that stood out to me. He's younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah. And I thought that was crazy. You know, he's two months younger than Joe Burrow. And for me to have a roster of three very, very young guys in Finley, Burrow and Josh Rosen, all on very, very um, efficient, not too expensive contracts would have been quite a nice um, concept to have. But alas, the Bengals felt that they had enough in Finley. And I think that speaks testaments to Finley, I know a lot of people were really down on him last year, but that was an awful situation. And I felt bad for him, and I hope that um, if he does get his chance, hopefully he doesn't get a chance this season because Burrow will be healthy and playing well. But if he does, that he plays well because I still think that he's got some potential. Well, he did show potential in the in the preseason last year, didn't he? He looked pretty good, um, but then looked a real rabbit in the headlights, didn't he? Uh, although a few good moments, but. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we're going to discuss uh, Josh Rosen with Jeff a little bit later. Um, but I tell you what, before we talk about Joe Mixon, let's go to our first fan uh, prediction segment. Hi, this is Adam at Touchdown Tips on Twitter, a long-time Bengals fan and looking forward to the season ahead. Obviously, I'm looking forward to Mr. Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick. Kicking ass this year with um, the wonderful offense that we've got, AJ Green, hopefully back fit, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, etc., etc. Um, I am thinking we're probably going to get six or seven wins, anything between four and eight, and frankly, I'll be happy. With six or seven, it's an incredibly tough schedule, so fingers crossed it'll all go well. Who day? Hello, I'm Peter Dadswell, or Dadders on Twitter. Predicting anything in the current climate is a forlorn task. Frankly, I'm just delighted we've got football back. However, if I'm going to make one prediction, is that the Bengals will be so much better this year. That's largely because of Joe Burrow, who brings optimism and positivity to the team. If everything clicks, that offense could be elite. And don't sleep on the defense, which has been strengthened in so many areas and looks so exciting. Score prediction? Well, five wins I'm happy with. Six or seven will be a really good season. Anything more than that, and what a positive start to this rebuild. Who day? Hi, it's Danny. Standing and reflecting in my kitchen, making the family dinner. So, first, I'd like to say a giant hoodie to my fellow Bengals fans. In years past, it would have been fellow Bengals sufferers, but I think, like most of us, it's, um, it's something we feel really positive about this season with Joe Burrow and all. 
What I want from this season though is really just for us to be super competitive within our division. And I especially want us to take two games off that noisy bunch from Northern Ohio. My prediction is still a modest five to six wins, uh, which is significant improvement on, on last season. Um, but even with that, I'm totally amped for this season. I can't wait for the, for the first week to start and let's take on uh, the LA Chargers. And as Nathan would say, Cheers, guys. Hi, guys. Dom here at Bumbling Bengal on Twitter. And uh, let me tell you, I cannot wait for Joey Boy to absolutely rip the Steelers a new one Monday Night Football or Tuesday morning over here. Um, it's going to be a great show. As for records, let's say 8-8, uh, eight and eight, much better than the league weapons. Yeah, a bit optimistic, but oh well. Who day? So there you go. Uh, in that uh, first segment, you heard Adam at Touchdown Tips, and you heard Pete Dadswell at Dadders, and you heard Danny at DZE. And you heard Dom at Bumbling Bengals, so thanks to those guys. And all fairly sensible uh, predictions. Okay, let's talk about, again, before we get to the uh, a bit of predictions, um, let's talk about Mixon. Four years uh, at $48 million, I believe. And I kind of balked at that when I first saw it. I thought, goodness me, that's sort of... 12 mil a year for four years that's a lot for a running back anything can happen in those four years uh but then i saw the breakdown and i was a lot more comfortable with the deal and actually i think it's a good deal for both sides i think there's a 10 million signing bonus and it's 8 million a year for the first two years then a shade over nine in the third and then a shade over nine in the fourth but there are options to get out of that deal as and when so the bengals have structured it quite nicely i think and it really has given uh, a shot in the arm to a lot of Bengals fans because, like it or not, Mixon is a real fan favourite. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for Mixon, if you'd said to the fans who don't have a checkbook and are not too concerned with the Bengals' um, bank balance, they're just concerned with how they play on the field, I think 95%, 98% of Bengals fans would have wanted them to retain Joe Mixon and sign him up for the long haul. And... I think that for me, I don't think it's necessarily the best business deals to be paying big money to a running back. Um, but at the end of the day, it gives Joe Burrow some security and some help with a uh, proven player. The guys in the locker room seem to value Mixon quite highly. A lot of fans like him. It's a popular move, which I think the Bengals are looking to really sort of galvanize their fans and give the fans um, some good you know, players to support. And, I think with Mixon being popular, you've obviously got Joe Burrow in there now. That offense is quite young. It's quite dynamic. It's, you know, the fans are warming very much to it. So, you know, if it does it prevent AJ Green signing a long-term deal? Quite possibly. Um, are the Bengals going to look back on it in two or three years and potentially regret it? Quite possibly. But I think for the short term, for going into this season, it keeps Mixon happy. It avoids any issue relating to a holdout or him being, you know, a distraction because he's not happy that he's not getting paid or he gets injured or anything like that. So I think for the short term, I think it's a smart move short term. But whether or not if it was my business and, 
you know, I was the one doing the numbers behind the scenes, I'd be doing that. I'm, I'm not quite so sure. But um, fair play to Mixon. And I really hope that he can play to a very high standard while we're competitive this season. Yeah, I think, so. yeah, I agree with all that, actually. Um, I do think we're going to be getting him at his at his peak, you know, in terms of age and production, which is great. He seems to really like the club and the, the front office seem to really like him. And, and what was lovely, I think, about this whole thing was that really nice photograph that he tweeted out with, I think there was uh, Paul Brown there and there was Katie Blackburn. I think it was Elizabeth uh, Blackburn as well. Um, you know, the Bengals get knocked always quite weirdly, in my opinion, about being a family-run organisation and this mom-and-pop business, whatever the hell that is. Um, but I've always thought that, what's the problem with that? You know, what is the problem with that, being a family-run club who value their employees, see them as human beings? And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been to Paul Brown Stadium a few times and been in the bowels of Paul Brown Stadium just the once. And there and there is a family atmosphere there. And and I'm sure that's the same in most other clubs as well. But it really strikes you that it's a friendly club, but it's just they don't, you know, they just get on with their business. And for them to get knocked for that, uh, I'm not quite sure why. But anyway, uh, that's another conversation entirely. But yeah, I thought that photograph was lovely. There seems to be a good bond between player and club and vice versa. And also... Just on the field, what's going to be in, of interest to me is obviously Mixon has had two. I believe he has had two back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Yeah. So you know, you want him to produce at least that every year, and some added production in the passing game. Hopefully, they can scheme that up and get him in space and get the ball to him, whether it be running the ball or passing the ball. Um, I would like to. I'm interested to see what the offensive line are going to do because after changing their scheme, after the I think it was around the Rams game last year, things improved dramatically. So I'm I'm really interested to see what they're going to go with their kind of blocking scheme because there was an obvious, as I say, improvement at the end of last year, and Mixon was really really productive. So. Um, a few interesting things, but certainly the fan base. I mean, that just really pumped up the fan base, and I think, I think we have had a good off season, and that just really was the cherry on the cake, really. So, uh, let's hope he doesn't, you know, get injured like a lot of Bengals players seem to do as soon as they, either they get a contract or get drafted number one or whatever in the first round. Um, the pieces are in place, and I think that that they seem to be in a good. Uh, spot and a good uh, frame of mind going into the season opener, which is great. There are no outstanding issues, particularly. It seems like a really cohesive, together kind of camp, which I like the look of. Um, obviously, there are sort of slight worries about certain areas of the team, but certainly it's as settled as you want it to be, and certainly during these crazy times, going into the opening game as it possibly can be, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me with Joe Mixon, just to sort of finalise that last, say the last word on it, I, I want to see him play well when we're playing well, because the last couple of seasons have been diabolical. And 
at the start of last season, when we needed him to play well, we needed to get off to a good start, he didn't play well. And for about the first four, five or six games, I remember I had that bet with Sam Ainger about whether he'd get uh, 1,500 yards all purpose. And I'd won that bet after about seven weeks because he didn't do hardly anything for seven weeks and we were out of the running. A lot of his yards came at the end of last season when they were kind of like garbage games. We were playing Ryan Finley. We were basically giving him everything because he was healthy. He was getting an enormous amount of carries and he very much padded his stats and took the opportunity. And he played very well. There's no doubt about that. He's a very talented running back. He played well. He, he earned his stripes. But I want to see him play well at the start of this season. He's got his contract. We've got some potential there on offense. You know, touch wood, unless anything crazy happens this week, we're going to have a healthy team going into week one in terms of those offensive starters. Green should be out there. John Ross should be out there. Joe Mixon's going to be out there. Joe Boy Burrow's going to be out there. I mean, it's an exciting prospect. That line is pretty much as it should be. There's no chopping and changing there. It's the starting line is going to be lining up on the field. And Joe Mixon needs to play well. And I don't doubt there's a good chance he will, but I really want him to play well, get us off to a good start and show that um, show that talent off when it matters rather than in meaningless games when we're 0-12 or 2-14 uh, or whatever we are. So that's what I want to see from Joe Mixon. I want to see him use more in the passing game as well because if he is this talented, we need to be getting the ball to him and I hope that him and Joe Burrow can build up that chemistry quite quickly. So, yeah, it's a big investment for the Bengals and I think it's an even bigger investment and probably signifies the end of Giovanni Bernard considering that the Bengals are paying an enormous amount of money, I think second in the league, to their top two running backs. So Giovanni Bernard's in the top 15 running backs in the league in terms of what he earns, which is quite remarkable um, considering his production levels last year. So, you know, the Bengals have gambled big on the running backs and I hope the two of them combined, both Gio and Joe Mixon, can have big years to sort of um, take some of that pressure off of uh, of Joe Boy. I don't disagree with that, but I will defend Mixon a little bit because I think the whole of the offence struggled at the start of last season. They couldn't, you know, obviously their offensive line was completely decimated by injury. The blocking scheme wasn't working. Nothing was coming off for anyone. Dalton was playing poorly. Everything just seemed out of sync. Um so I think that's that's in Mixon's defence. But yes, you want to see him be a crucial part of 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 the team as it's kind of winning, really. Um, but I think all in all, uh, it's it's a good deal for for him, and it's a good deal uh, for the club as well. Right, let's uh, let's have some more uh, Bengals fan predictions. Davis from Derby here. Bengals are going 7-9 and nine this season and I'll be really happy with that. Five games better than last season and next season it'll be five games better again. The player I want to give a special mention to, number 46, Clark Harris, the long snapper. But he's not any old long snapper. It's his 12th season on the roster. He's had 1,559 consecutive playable snaps. He was the world record holder for the longest snap and is the oldest Bengal on the roster. There are long snappers, but there's only one massive alligator, and that's Clark Harris. Who day? Hi Bengals UK, this is Martin Greer. 
Really looking forward to seeing our rookies and free agents this season. Can see us starting off 6 and 6, then finishing strong for a 9 and 7 record. Hopefully that gets us a playoff berth, then it's game on. Huday. Hello to Huday UK. Congratulations on your first show tonight. Um, the thing I'm looking forward to this season is uh, Mixon, uh, seeing more runs and also seeing him catching more out of the backfield and just generally really helping Burrow through his first season as a Bengal. Um, in terms of record, I'm thinking about 6 and 10, um, probably on the lower side because of where we are at the, just right now with our cornerbacks. Um, but generally really looking forward to seeing some football at last and uh, yeah, go Bengals. Who day? Well, there we go. And in that little uh, area, you had Ken Davies, uh, Martin Greer, uh, Matt Moon. Uh, and thank you to those guys for sending uh, their predictions over. Um, <clears throat> I mean, at the start of our prediction, I think when the roster came out, we went through it. We were not going to do that again. But has anything kind of changed for you? Because I don't think it has for me, actually. Um it's still around an, a seven and nine-ish sort of record, maybe a bit, uh, maybe six and ten, maybe eight and eight, something, you know, around that seven and nine kind of area, I think. Um, it is it is interesting to see how, I mean, you read about the Eagles who we're playing at some point. Uh, they're decimated by injuries, apparently. Uh, you hear about the Steelers, who are looking like a million dollars, apparently, in training camp. Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball as well as he has done in a decade, apparently. Um, and then, of course, our opponents next week, Derwin James has gone out with a season-ending injury. So you get all these other little kind of developing narratives and factors that um, could feed into your either optimism or negativism. Um, what are you thinking, Nathan? Are you have you seen any? Well, but first of all, in terms of going into the, the season with the roster that we've got, um, do you think your initial prediction has changed at all? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I had us down for about seven and nine. I still think that's probably accurate. Um, ESPN actually did a fantastic um, piece today um, simulating the entire season every single <laughs> yeah, day I saw that. with this huge, massive computer, and it spat the Bengals out at 7-9. and nine. And I w went through the games and looked at some of the results. They seemed fair, and I think at one point it had us at 6-6, six and six, and I think... Um, I think really if that was to happen and we were six and six and we were looking quite smart, we'd had some good wins, we'd put some points up. I think most Bengals fans would take that this season. And I think Peter Dadswell said it really well yesterday on the live broadcast on Twitter that last year wasn't a rebuilding year. This is the first rebuilding year. Last year was a bit of a, I don't think the Bengals knew if they were coming or going last year. It was all put together very last minute. They were not really too sure if they were actually trying to win or they were trying to mm. rebuild. And it was a really odd 
sort of sort of period, a bit of a wasted season ultimately. But this year is a full rebuild. We've got a very exciting player in Joe Burrow. I think the roster's been constructed really well this offseason. They've made some smart moves. They've brought in some really, really good players. Um, they've cut off some dead wood as well. And I think that I think not to sound negative, but I think seven wins would is almost a bit optimistic considering we won what was it, two games last year. Mm. So it's a fair old jump. You've got a lot of rookies. We've not had a preseason. We've got a lot of free agents that have come in. I think the ceiling for us this year, and I just could not conceive it, it would ever be possible, would be nine wins. I just can't see, unless something outrageous happens and Joe Burrow is just an absolute Trojan horse out there, just smashing people over and... We stay completely healthy, and Zach Taylor as just you know is coach of the year. That we win more than nine games, but anything seven or more for me would be a massive achievement, and it would be a strong um, sort of flag in the ground moment for us moving forward as a franchise with young players on both sides of the ball, some very solid veterans, um, and obviously a franchise quarterback of the future. So I'm sticking with seven and nine. I'd be happy with seven and nine. I think the ceiling is nine and seven. And unfortunately, I think the um, the floor is probably, again, two wins. I still think there's a possibility, as much as no one wants to talk about it, that Zach Taylor might not be the right guy. I hope he is, but he might not be. Um, and there's a lot of question marks still there. That offensive line is a question mark. Those cornerbacks, you know, you've got a couple of guys there that if they were to get hurt, we'd be in real trouble. The linebackers, they're all rookies. You know, they could be good. They sound good. Every draft pick looks good on tape with a few YouTube videos and a few interviews. But once they're out there on the pitch, are they going to be exposed by some of these quality tight ends and running backs um, and wide receivers? So there's still, I still think that as positive as we all are, and I think every team around the league, their fans are amped up, they're excited, they think they could win games, they think they could go to the playoffs. But there is still a reality, as horrible as that sounds, where we could be shit again. So, yeah. but I think, yeah. For I, me, I I'm absolutely agree. Going straight down the middle. I do agree with you, actually, because I, I think that training camp and around this sort of time is one of the best times to be an NFL fan of a team. Because yeah, I agree. You know, all you're seeing basically is players make plays, whoever they might be, back of the roster guys or your stars or whoever, on the practice field. And it's easy, so easy to get carried away by that because you live in this Bengals bubble and everything is super positive. Oh, that seventh round uh, receiver is making like, you know, tiptoe catches on the sideline and this, you know, undrafted free agent running back from the from the CFL is like barreling for 90-yard touchdown. Do you know what I mean? It's all like brilliant. Yeah, it's all brilliant. Uh, and then, of course, you come up against a team like the Browns with, Myers, with Miles Garrett steaming off the edge, the Chargers with yeah. Bosa and Ingram steaming off the edge. And then you suddenly yeah. realise that actually, oh, maybe, we, maybe we're not so good after all. But I'm hoping, you know, we will be better. And I think... I think this is what fans want. We want to see improvement. We want to see competitiveness in every game. And we're playing some bloody good teams this year. Houston, uh, the Titans, you know, uh, we're playing Philadelphia. We're playing Dallas, who I think might go to the Super Bowl, actually. Um, which pains me to say, because I hate the Cowboys. Um, so it's 
if we can see an improvement, if we can start to see the offense clicking with all our impressive-looking skill players, and then, of course, it's down to the defense to show a really big improvement. But uh, it's exciting. Yeah, I, complete, I completely agree with you. And I think it's going to be mad this first game of the season because we've not seen a Bengals game since 2019. Um and the back end of last year was just a bit of a mess because obviously you know, people, a lot of people wanted us to lose those games so we could secure Joe Burrow. And we've not seen the full capability of this team apart from some very, you know, sort of radio style scrimmage reports from the Cincinnati media. And we also haven't seen anything of the Chargers. So it is going to be a complete guesswork really as to what's going to play out on Sunday. I mean, it's a crazy prospect, and I think that there's going to be some very bizarre results around the league. And I think that, do you know what? It's going to come down across the league to how well the coaches have been able to prepare the players during the offseason. Because with no preseason, and every team's obviously got rookies coming in, free agents coming in, and are transitioning in some uh, proportion. And I think the best coaches are going to be the ones that teams come out firing on all cylinders. So it's a big test for Zach Taylor, if I'm honest. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's a big test for Zach. Uh, it's a big test for the players. And I've said it before on this podcast, it is the team who has adapted the best to all these kind of Zoom meetings and restricted exactly. practices and all the rest of it. So it's going to be very interesting, which is why, and, you know, throughout the season... There will no doubt be players who will test positive for for COVID. So what happens if it is your star quarterback that gets tested positive on the Wednesday before a game? It's you know he's going to have to sit that game out. I wouldn't be surprised if there are some surprises uh, throughout this season. So who knows what they'll be? But why can't one of those teams be us? We've got certainly got talent. Um, let's hope it all comes together. Anyway, let's... What do you, what do you think, <clears throat> just quickly, Sam, I, I answer my own question. What would you give us as our sort of floor and ceiling, realistically? Floor 5 and 11. Ceiling 9 and 7. Yeah. I think. So, I mean, that's quite a big grey area there, but... Um, Again, it's it's so difficult to predict this season and it's so difficult to predict our team as well. A, because of the COVID situation and everything that's brought with it and B, because we've got a ton of new players as well. So um, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, right, let's bring Jeff in. Well, as promised, uh, it's a return. I think this is his sixth time on Cincinnati. It's Jeff, Uncle Jeff Hobson, Live from Cincinnati, Jeff, how you doing? Great to see you guys. Great to see you and Nate. And uh, thanks thanks an awful lot for having me on. It means a lot. Hope everyone's doing well over there. Yeah, likewise. Um, how is it over there? Unbel- I mean, we've been talking on the podcast for weeks now that, you know, God, how are they going to get an NFL season going? But we are only yeah. a week to go. And it's it's an amazing turnaround, really, isn't it? It's really weird, but it's also, you know, Paul Brown Stadium might be the safest place in Hamilton County. You know, we get tested every day. People do what they're supposed to do. They wear masks. They stay six feet apart. Um, You know, the administrative 
folks like myself, we, you know, we don't have meetings. Everything is uh, remote. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to a player one-on-one since, you know, probably talked to Burrow with the combine. He mm-hmm. still doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know me from uh, Thomas Hobson. <laughs> from Hobson's Choice, the original Hobson's Choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so we're edging towards the first game next week, and we always try and get you on around this time because you're very good at predictions and and obviously this is the weekend of roster cuts and uh, I mean we're recording this what on Sunday afternoon so the Bengals still might be in play for a few waiver pickups who knows today Um, but yeah first impressions of roster cuts day any big surprises for you? No, no, I thought it went, uh, you know how they, uh, they, when they do the NCAA tournament uh, if the favorites win they call it chalk because of the, 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 the formations. And I, that's it went right. They, they, they uh, cut the way, I, you know, I think they cut the way everybody thought they were going to cut. The thing is, Paul, you know, no preseason games. They've been on the field less than three weeks. Um, and they have a scrimmage where there's no refs and they're, and they're not live. So I got no idea what they're going to look like on the 13th. Literally, you know, I don't, and I don't think anybody does in the league. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of an amazing, uh, it's kind of an amazing thing. I mean, they look great on paper, but I don't know if anything's changed. You know, I don't know if anything's changed since, you know, since uh, June 1st. But you you must obviously watch them as much as, as, as the next media person and being in the building as well. And, do you, is there no sense of whether I mean because obviously on paper they've had a really good off off season, right? Is there I will no... say this. I will say that, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I will say this. I think the people they brought in here have been as advertised on right. the field, right? Burrow's the real deal. Right. Uh, the linebackers run like hell. The linebackers are fast. Hmm. You know the veteran, the free agent veterans they picked up on defense. Von Bell, terrific leader, changes the defense. DJ Reader. Great leader changes the defense. Josh Bynes, you know the linebackers are have gravitated toward him like you know little chicks. So that has worked out. That's why they got Bynes to be a mentor. So I would say in that sense, you know AJ looks like AJ. I mean, they kind of backed him off after he had that first little thing. And I think they just threw up their hands and said, you know, he'll he'll be able, he'll be able to play. So I guess that's kind of a question: Is he going to be in? You know, is he going to be in sync? But I think they'll be all right there. But yeah, so I would say. What's taken place in the last three weeks has has kind of reinforced what they were hoping. Mm. Jeff, on the subject of um, of like roster cuts and waiver claims and stuff like that, were you surprised that um, the Bengals said they weren't interested in Josh Rosen? Uh, did you think there might be some interest there to sort of be QB two, or do you think Ryan Finley's looked quite good? Yeah, I was surprised they didn't take a look at Rosen uh, just because of the. How many guys, how many quarterbacks are picked in the top 10 and two years later, you know, they're available. And mm. clearly he's not going to be the starter. Burrow's the guy, as AJ said, Burrow's the guy for the next 15 years. So he's not going to be uh, – and maybe they thought that that was a uh, – maybe they thought that that was a, uh, a bad fit. You know, for whatever reason, people have thought Rosen's kind of got a – kind of a little bit – not a great personality. You know, he always says he has the ability to say the wrong thing. And I really do think they're taking uh, they're taking the chemistry thing, the locker room chemistry thing into. I think that 
holding that more in account than they have in past years. I yeah. think that's why they were very aggressive in signing Mixon. And, uh, you know, maybe a guy like Rosen, they just didn't think would, and maybe he thought he, you know, let Burrow be the unquestioned guy. He's the guy. Don't bring in any kind of a sideshow, which I think Rosen would have been. So yeah. it, did, it did kind of surprise me. But then after I thought about it, maybe not. What do you think, Mixon, about Mixon? Jeff, the fans are pretty overjoyed. He's a real fan favorite. Yeah. Um, he's obviously well-liked within the building. Um, what's, what are your thoughts on Mixon being extended? Because there are some people that kind of say, well, you know, the running back is, you know, the value of, of signing a running back to, to that kind of contract is is a risk. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the fans are overjoyed for the most part. Yeah, I think uh, I think my colleague over at the Athletic, Paul Daner, posed the question that it was a risk, and I think it was a risk not to sign him. At some point, you've got to keep your best players. He's your best player. Um, he was been their MVP the last two years uh, with AJ out. Uh, I think he he's even more important now with Burrow. I mean, you can't go into this thing, especially in the kind of environment they've been in you can't go in throwing the thing 40 times a game 30 times a game you have to ease him in I don't care if he's the next Manning you know Mixon's the perfect guy to do that he's a big kid that can carry the ball he wants to carry the ball he's a type a guy I think it would have been a gamble not to it would have been a risk not to not to sign him not only because of just trying to protect Burrow and run the ball but also in the locker room again I think it would send him not a good message to the locker room because he is such a a guy who's, uh, I think, highly regarded among his uh, teammates. So, and I kind of, you know, uh, I wrote, you know, there are just some things that analytics uh, can't take into account. You, you can't measure what a guy means to a team intangible. I'll tell you, I saw, you guys remember the thing in Atlanta. He didn't play against the Falcons in 2018. And when A.J. caught that ball uh, with seven seconds left, like jumping on a grenade, and uh, Mixon was the first guy in the end zone. It's a good thing they didn't get a flag. He, he didn't play that game. He was in his street clothes, and he was in there diving on AJ and celebrating. That means something, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Jeff, we've talked, obviously, like we can't not talk about Joe Burrow. I know we've mentioned him briefly, and you said he's ab as advertised. He looks like the real deal. What have you seen like, of him so far in the, the live scrimmages and in practice? Has it, has it impressed you? Like, what, what have you seen so far? Yeah, I think what's impressed me, Nate, is uh, when, when things break down, and things do break down in scrimmages, so you can get a sense there, got a real good feel in the pocket. Very natural back there. He can step to the side. You know, and that's something, and I love Andy, but that's something that Andy never really struck me as being com comfortable back there, you know. I mean, he, he's fine quarterback, but Burrow just seems to be able to uh, sidestep uh, – take a step or two to the side and find a, find an arm angle to, to get rid of the thing. Very cool back there. And he can make something out of nothing. You know, I think he's very good. We taught this was a topic one day when uh, that first scrimmage when they, in the red zone. He was very productive in the red zone. And a lot of that stuff is it breaks down and you're trying to find uh, it's a broken play, you know. And uh, he excelled on that at LSU. And I, I, I think he's got people that he can excel with here. Tyler Boyd comes to mind as a guy who – doesn't mind breaking off routes and making himself available. So that stuff I like, Nate. I like that that pocket presence and the ability to make something happen when the play breaks down. 
Now, obviously, Borough's one thing. Um, the the additions on defence we've kind of spoken about is another thing. What well, what kind of potential? You know, what excites you about this team? Because I think again, a lot of fans are quite excited about the skill positions. We seem to have a good wide receiver group, uh, quite deep as well. Um, what what kind of? What well, do you also do? You think that this is the season that? Zach really is able to put his his stamp on the team. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think from a chemistry standpoint, kind of a locker room standpoint, I mean, they haven't been together long, but I think, like I talked about, guys like Bell, guys like Bynes and Reeder, they give that. I'm kind of excited to see what the defense does because that's got, uh, you know, as you know, you've been watching this team for the last three years, and they they haven't been able to stop the run. They just haven't been able to tackle. They haven't been able to get anybody to the ground. And I think it's salty. I think this defense is, is saltier than it has been in the past because of the uh, addition of those guys, all very highly rated against the run. Mm. So that excites me along with just 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 Burrow being, being flat out who he is, not only as a player but as a guy. Mm. You know, I thought he, he, he'd be very high profile during the uh, – Last weekend, uh, when they took a stand on social justice, when they uh, made the march to the uh, Underground Railroad uh, Freedom Center, and, uh, you know, uh, great statement. Uh, They wanted Joe there to read it with uh, Trey Hopkins wrote it, the center. He's an African-American. He read the first paragraph, Joe, white guy, read the second graph. Mike Brown, the owner, standing behind him. Very impressive. Uh, And I think they wanted – they reached out to Joe to be that active. He was very vocal on Twitter about, you know, yeah. how, uh, you know, uh, wanted to see his African-American uh, teammates treated right and, the, 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 you know, uh, looking for justice for everyone. And uh, so that was pretty impressive, too, what he's done on the field and matching that with, uh, I think, the regard he has that the teammates have for him as a leader. Exciting to me. Um. Just a quick question about the the activism side of things. Um, obviously, we, you know the things that are happening on the streets in the US are pretty horrendous at the moment. Um, but it seems to me that um, you know the whole Black Lives Matter movement, and as you say, the statement last week, and uh, the conversations that the team and coaches have had together. It feels like it's a real coming together moment for the, a real bonding moment for the team. Have you felt that? I have, I have felt that. And I think uh, a big part of it is, you know, uh, you get some veterans here who have come of age, Giovanni Bernard, mm. CJ Uzama, uh, you know, uh, they've seen the transition that this team's undergone. And during the off season, uh, they've stepped up Trey Hopkins, the man who wrote the release, the uh, statement, the, uh, you know, the mission statement. And then you bring in a, a guy like Burrow, who's, let's face it, a, 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 a galvanizing figure. I mean, it, it, right at the beginning with his Heisman Trophy speech, when mm-hmm. he talked about the uh, poverty long before the pandemic, it was December of 2019, and he talked about the uh, impoverished conditions of where he grew up and what he saw in Athens County. And, you know, uh, 32 words or whatever it was, it sparked uh, – $600,000 got raised in the, uh, for the food bank, for the local food bank. So off just off Facebook uh, pledges. So, you know, obviously he brings something to the table other than talent. And uh, 
you know, you uh, combine that, you know, uh, with uh, the guys in a locker room who've been around a league a little bit, like Gio and CJ, and mm. you know, I think it is. I think it has been a bonding. Uh, I think it has been a bonding type situation. And they, and they have said that the guys have said that CJ and I think Trey has said it too. That this is about as close as team as uh, you know since they've been here. Mm-hmm. Jeff, obviously, it's a much younger Bengals team than we've seen in the past. A lot of rookies. Like every rookie uh, made the team this year, yeah. which is fantastic. But are there any guys, sort of younger guys, on the team that? you think like someone that you've potentially seen that you think is primed for like a big year this year, like someone that's really caught your eye? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about that, Nate. Um, only one vested veteran got cut though. That was Brandon Allen, the quarterback. Mm. All the other guys had three years or less of experience, which was, you know, usually they, they cut more veterans, but you're right. It's still kind of, it's, it's still a young club because, um, you know, Burrow makes it young and they, 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 made some so many changes on defense but um michael jordan is a guy i think a young guy the left guard he was one of the he they talked to he might have been the most improved player uh in camp you know uh a guy like pratt jermaine pratt a second year guy uh he he's had a pretty good camp he looks more comfortable than he was uh the third round pick uh from last year um you know I, i'm interested to see darius phillips what it looks i think he's going to play a lot and, uh, you know, what, he had four interceptions and 75 pass – I mean, passing plays. That's a pretty, that's a pretty yeah. good percentage, you know. That, could, uh, that, that translates to about 15 picks now. Obviously, he won't – you know, but he, he shows a penchant for catching the ball. So those are three or four guys that I think would be on the verge of doing something. Pratt, Jordan, uh, and, um, and Phillips. Yeah. And you look at a guy like – the left tackle, Jonah Williams, who hasn't even taken a snap yet. Yeah. Maybe the biggest question of the uh, maybe the biggest question uh, of uh, of the year. How about Drew Sample? Have you seen much of him? Because yeah. obviously a second round pick himself. Like he's someone that I think the Bengals could really use with sort of taking a step forward um, to give a bit of competition to Zama and to give Joe Burrow a nice threat over the middle. What, what have you seen of him so far? I should have mentioned him, Nate. That's a good point because he's had a really good camp. Um, you know, they drafted him to be a blocker. And uh, he came back, he redid his body, he and Sam Hubbard, that kind of became a, is now in training camp lore, I guess, uh, uh, Drew turned his garage into kind of a gym and he and Hubbard were kind of bonded over there. But, you know, Drew remade his body and, uh, you know, he's a good blocker, but he really shows uh, uh, good hands and, you know, he made some, you know, he made some pretty impressive catches during the, during some of the scrimmages and during some of the red zone stuff, but, uh, you know, I'm starting to think Burrow could make me look good if I went going over the middle. You know, he's one of those. You know, he's one of those guys that can just, uh, you know, uh, he'll he'll if you're there, he'll find you. You know, and uh, but Sample is, yeah, you're right. He's a guy, you know, and it may, you know, push him. You know me, I'm always pulling for the two tight end set in a run game. You know, they I think no team in the league used uh, three receivers and one tight end more than uh, the Bengals did last year. Well, that's a puzzle now. Because now you get two pretty good tight ends and CJ and uh, and Sample. So what are they going to do? You know, and you get all those talented wide receivers. So, you know, I think you know, like Zach says, uh, you know, it's just every game's a different matchup, every series a different matchup, and uh, I guess the key is to have the to have you know to have that versatile you know to be able to counter something with something, and you know you need you need two tight ends and three receivers. It, it, 
different points during the game. And I think Zach feels more comfortable. I think after a year, he'll feel more comfortable calling the game. I think he knows his personnel better. What about the defense, Jeff? Um, we talk about different uh, personnel groupings for the offensive side of the ball. What about the defensive side of the ball? It looks as though Lou is trying to be a bit more flexible. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, we've seen Dunlap and Hubbard sort of rush off the edge almost as outside backers and drop yeah. back into coverage more. What are you expecting in terms of defensive scheme? Yeah, I think it's more of a, you know, it's more of a 34 now. You know, I mean, they were afraid to say it, but I think now after, you know, last half of the year and what we've seen in camp, I guess you'd have to say it is a, it is a 34. I, I, I don't know. Carlos and Sam are two of your best sackers, so I don't know how, you know, I don't know how often you want to drop them in the coverage, but it's certainly something he's toying with. And it'll be interesting to see what, how they use the, to me, the defense kind of hinges on uh, what they do in the middle of the field with the linebackers because we really don't know. Al Golden, the new linebackers coach, has uh, really shuffled those guys around. I mean, yeah, you really don't know. You know, he's uh, basically, he, you know, Pratt and Bynes seem to be his guys because they're veterans. But there's really been, with Wilson and uh, the third-round pick and Davis Gaither, the fourth-round pick, and Bailey, the seventh-round pick, He's got them running through there in different spots and different situations. And uh, yeah. so I'd like to, you know, I, I, I kind of like to see what happens. I mean, I think that the, the scheme is probably pretty much going to be the, be the same. I, I, you know, I, I think with more speed that allows Lou to do more things, you know, I think Bell is a good blitzer who they picked up from the strong safety from New Orleans, you know, uh, and I think uh, uh, Wilson has been, uh, was, was a good blitzer in college. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, that's another thing about this year. They're, 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 um, they are uh, on purpose. They are, they're not saying much because there's nothing on tape. Mm. The other teams have nothing on tape about what they're going to do this year. And with the Bengals having a whole, really a lot of new personnel on defense, you know, they're going to have as many as five new starters. Mm. They feel like, you know, they can maybe pop something on the Chargers. It's going to, you know, mm. who knows what they're going to do. I mean, What's more, what's less? I don't know. You know, more five men line. I, you know, who, I, you know, <laughs> they've done a good job keeping things under the, uh, you know, keeping things close to the best. Mm. Okay, Jeff, uh, let's put you on the spot. Well, I mean, we, I think we both predicted a seven and nine season. Um, where, where, I mean, again, it's it's almost impossible to predict this season, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Well, we don't know what other teams look like. We don't really know what the Bengals look like. Um, there's going to be some... fans, or they going to be, you know, are there going to be exactly. fans on November 25th or not? You know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's all over the place, isn't it? But you know, using all your uh, experience and wisdom, uh, what, <laughs> what, what, yeah, <laughs> what are you going for? Well, I'm going to go, and I and I think I wrote this the other day. I'm going to go. I the closest thing we got to it is 2011, hmm. right? When there was no, there was no spring ball, and the, the rookies were actually in worse shape then than they were now because they couldn't talk to the coaches. They couldn't talk. They couldn't look at the playbook. They couldn't hmm. really do anything. So these guys are more prepared that way. So I'm going to p- compare it to 2011. Okay, Burrow because he's the number one pick. He's better than Andy. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Cedric, uh, Mixon's better than Benson. Younger, better, I think. Um, AJ Green as a veteran is better than AJ Green, a rookie. 
Mm. Tyler Boyd is better than Andre Caldwell. Uh, John Ross and um, T. Higgins are going to be better than Jerome Simpson. They'll, mm. they'll be more productive than Simpson's 50 catches. Mm. And on defense, the defense isn't as – the defense hasn't been together as much, but there's probably more talent on this defense than there was on that Zimmer defense who basically worked miracles with mm. guys, you know, with basically two good corners. Chris Crocker. You know? Yeah. Right. So – if they won nine games with Dalton and that crew, they can win nine games with Burrow and this crew. Okay, That's I think nine good. games would be nine games would be fantastic. Like if yeah. they could turn it around this year and get nine wins and be in the playoff conversation, even if they didn't make it a nine and seven, I think for a lot of fans that would just breathe yeah. so much excitement and vigor into everyone. And I think that's desperately what we need. So I just hope we can at least get within sort of a game of five hundred. I just don't yeah. want us this year. Right. desperately to not just flail right. out and be sort of two, three, four wins. I right. mean, and, you know, when you transition like that and you've got a, you know, rookie quarterback and mm. you, you know, make a lot of changes, you obviously got the impact of the coronavirus, no fans, these things can happen. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, we're coming from a bad point from last season, but I, if we could be competitive this year with it, with Joe Burrow and these new age, uh, free agents, it'd be a very exciting time, I think. Yeah. Three big things. Uh, three big things that were not there in 11. The coronavirus, you just said. Who's, who's going to be available from week to week? The offensive line is not as was, is, was, was a veteran solid crew in 2011. And in the division, you know, Baltimore is probably is clearly the best team in the AFC if it's not, if it's not Kansas City. You know, yeah. and that was not the, the, the division was a lot closer in 11. And I don't think as talented as it is now. I mean, you know, I think Cleveland. You know, Cleveland is better now than Cleveland was in '11, and Pittsburgh's always dangerous with Ben. So, yeah. those are three pretty big differences from you know that they're fighting too. So, uh, you know, I agree. I mean, you know, they anything could happen. I I think you're right, Nate. You don't want to see two and fourteen, three and thirteen, and four and twelve. You know, and yet, what records did the Bengals have before each season when they went to the Super Bowl? Well, that's right. That's a that's a good point. It's, you know, uh, anything can happen. That's basically what I'm saying. It's unlikely, but yeah. anything can happen. That's uh, well said, Paul. Like uh, I guess six and ten, and six and ten, and four and eleven, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Jeff, thank you so much as ever. In the past, we've asked you to do all sorts on this podcast, and uh, uh, we're going to ask you to do something again. So apologies. Uh, <laughs> you're a good sport, and over the past few three or four weeks, we've been playing a game called First and Ten, and I, I believe that you've agreed to play along with this. Is that no, correct? That might be Final a chance bad. to get out of it, basically. <laughs> My decision-making might not be as good as okay. Burroughs on that one. Okay, Jeff Hobson, let's play First and Ten. Now, the rules are, as I stated earlier, you start on your own 20. You have 12 questions to score a touchdown. Okay. Okay. And each question, you can choose three options. Um, one is uh, a five-yard pass or run up the middle, yeah. uh, and that is an easy question. The next question is, next question choice is a medium a question which takes you 10 yards or you can choose a very hard question 
and that gets you a touchdown immediately. A long, raking Greg Cook pass <laughs> down the sidelines, uh, just like the old days, to Bob yeah. Trumpy. So um, let's give it a go, shall we? Uh, okay, uh, first and ten at your own 20, which kind of question are you go for? Difficult, Jimmy. easy, or moderate? Easy. Let's start off a, a little uh, a handoff to Mixon. Okay. What number does Joe Burrow wear? Oh, nine. Okay. There you go. Uh, so now it's, uh, I've got to write this down. Yeah. Well, don't lose track. Uh, second and five from your 25. I'll have to go intermediate. What substance is Han Solo frozen in during Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> uh... Yeah, I'm going to, uh, uh, peanut butter. I got no shot. <laughs> okay, that's third and five from your 25. It's question three. What are you going to go for? You could get a first down with an easy question. Yeah, I got to go easy. Got to go easy okay. here. Yeah. All, right, all right, okay. What, and this one is especially for you, Jeff. Which city is the capital of Massachusetts? Boston. There you go. And a first down. Yes. First and ten, question four. What's it going to be? You're at the your own thirty. I'll go. I'll go the intermediate. I guess I'll try okay, to go. Okay, he's going for a, a cheeky little <laughs> first down straight away. Which Christian celebration is influenced by the Passover? Uh, that uh, Christian, uh, I guess uh, Catholicism. No, I was looking for the actual celebration. That is Good Friday. Oh, oh, the actual celebration. Okay, jeez, yeah, I'm a uh, wow, Jeff. Man. Let's go back to the. Let's go back, <laughs> back to the. I'm killing your Zoom here. I, jeez, uh, this is a grinding, <laughs> a grinding drive. Which yeah. uh, U.S. Pre I, I'm hoping you're going to open the playbook up in a minute, Jeff. But which U.S. <laughs> president resigned over the Watergate scandal? Richard Nixon. Correct. Yeah. It's now third and five on question six. Okay, I got to go for the first five uh, yard line. Yeah, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go with another easy one there. Okay, all right. Who wrote the play, The Merchant of Venice? That'd be uh, your guy, Shakespeare. Correct. So you're at your own forty. This is question seven. What are you going to go for? Just to let you know, I'm going for the whole ball of wax right now. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> Play action, play action, follow the AJ down the sideline. Okie dokie. The companies HP, Microsoft, and Apple were all started in a what? Uh, warehouse. Almost. It's a garage or garage. Oh, I'd have something. got that. You would have got that, Nathan. I'd have got that, yeah. All right, second and ten. From the 40, question eight. Intermediate. Intermediate. Because okay. I got I only got four more questions, right? So yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, okay, according to Greek mythology, I know you're big on this, Jeff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am a myth myself. Who was the goddess of beauty? Uh, that would have been uh, Aphrodite. You are correct. Good shout. Good shout. You are at midfield, that was... and you're on question nine. Okay, that was... Uh, give me another intermediate, please. Okay, he's got the taste for the intermediates now. <laughs> Which Danish writer is known as the most prolific creator of fairy tales? 
Hans Christian Anderson. Correct. First and ten. Question ten. The offense is picking up pace. And Field goal range here. Field goal range. Uh, oh. So yeah, question ten. First and ten from the opponent's forty. The intermediate. You've got oh. two questions left, Jeff. So. Okay. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I got to go. Uh, okay. I guess I'll. Uh, I guess I'll go for it all right here. Okay. All right then. Jeff I don't want Blake. to get into a hail mary. Jeff situation. Blake. He can see. <laughs> Carl Pickens. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. <laughs> Question 10. What was the highest selling album of the 1980s? Oh. Um, I'm going to say, uh, boy, yeah, it's a Elvis Costello, but I don't. Uh... Pray not. It's Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, I should have got that. Jeez. Got let's, keep going for, let's keep going for the long ball. You've got one question left, Jeff. Oh, no, no, no that was question 10. So you've got question 11 and question 12. So you're going to go for it all again? Yep. Okay. Actually, you might get this question. In 2018, the family of which Hall of Fame linebacker settled a wrongful death lawsuit against the NFL? Uh, Junior Seau. Correct, and a touchdown. There it is. Jeff Hobson, 11 questions from the 40. I apologize for that grinding drive. That was that's uh, all right. Well, I, I, you know, I should have known a Star Wars was coming. You were gonna. Um, <laughs> you like Star Wars, don't you? I do. Yes, I'm a big yeah. fan of Star Wars. Well, Jeff, congratulations. Well done. Thank, you, very thank much. you again for joining us. It's always a treat to. Well, we can see you because we're doing this by Zoom. So thank you. No, thank and, you. Uh, I have no idea what the season's going to look like, but yeah. I just hope that you stay safe and we can get some games and we can, you know, cheer the team on from over here. Same to you, Paul. Thank you. Uh, thanks for. Uh, I know the team uh, is thankful for your support, as I am. Thanks for all the interest over there, and thank you for uh, the help you've done with the site over there. You and Nate, I can't thank you enough. Guys, stay safe. The best to you and your families, and uh, let's talk soon. Back at you, Jeff. You take care. Cheers, then. Thanks so much, Jeff. Love having you on, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, there we go. That was uh, good old Uncle Jeff. Uh, what a sport he was. I'm, I'm delighted that he managed to score a touchdown in first and ten. Indeed. I, I literally do love Jeff. He's one of my favourite guests on the podcast. Gives a really good um, quality insight. And I'm... Um, you know, thankful sixth time on the podcast, outrageous as well. So a massive credit and a massive thanks to um, to good old Jeff. And he said he was he was very positive. He he kind of thought that this season could mirror Andy Dalton's twenty eleven season, which is a big ask. But I can see where he's coming from. Well, certainly when he dialed it up on the paper like that, you could see where he was coming from, and it made quite a lot of sense. And it is a funny one because you think back to not last season, but the season before. And that was a season the Bengals really felt like they could do something, you know, coming off the back of, you know, still with Marvin there, they really felt like they could win games. Um, and obviously at the start of that season was super positive and we were like five and two or whatever it was. And then it all fell apart. And then that was the end of Marvin. And then Zach Taylor came in and a lot of people still felt like last season we could be really competitive. There were some really good pieces there. And again, for the second year in a row, injuries completely derailed us and it was a bit of a mess. But a lot of those players are still there. And, you know, like I said, touch wood, we're pretty healthy. Mm. So, 
you know, there are there is certainly some talent on this team. Certainly on paper, you go through the team, and I hope this is not just us being naive as fans. But like Jeff said, there is a lot of talent. There's AJ Green, there's Geno Atkins, there's Carlos Dunlap, there's Carl Lawson, who everyone's been talking about as a potential Pro Bowler for years in terms of his like his ceiling ability. So you've obviously got Joe Burrow. Now. There, there are some really good bloody players. Um, and if they can mesh and play well, then, you know, who, who knows why we couldn't have a season like we did? Oh, who um, knows, Nathan? It's it's here. <laughs> we could do it. Come on. That's a bold it's, prediction. Mate, we're going to win it all. We're going to do it. and two. Bloody hell. Imagine if we got to the Super Bowl, man. 14 Imagine. and 2, no, and it just if, marched to the Super Bowl. No, what if we scraped in the playoffs at 9 and 7? Like went or to 8 sh- and 8, or went disgraceful, to- got in at 8 and 8. <laughs> or 7 and 9, scraped in. <laughs> really, da- really, really just th- just in the dirty back entrance. And um, <laughs> the, the filthiest slip into the playoffs you've ever sort of seen like lost lost three games in a row yet somehow snuck in at seven and just nine. basically the whole nfl disrespects the hell out of us because we did that <laughs> and then we go into houston our nemesis in the playoffs in recent years oh, turn those guys over in houston then go on the road to let me think now let me think now uh the the Ravens, another uh, kind of interdivisional playoff biff boff, and we managed to do them over, and then we roll into Kansas City, and Gino takes out Mahomes, four five <laughs> sacks, and then we're in the Super Bowl. Who are we playing in the Super Bowl, Nathan? Who are your Super Bowl tips in all reality? I think you might have a good shout with Dallas to be honest, son. I think there's something about Dallas. I've, you know, they've all, they've been sort of there or thereabouts for years, haven't they? And they've got mm. some quality players in Prescott, and they've got some obviously Ezekiel Elliott and some quality wide receivers. So I I wouldn't be surprised. I think you've got I think you've got a good shout there. I think all, New Orleans are always good, but Drew Brees is knocking on a bit, and he, I'm not I'm not convinced by the Bucks. I think they could be I think they could be a bit of a a wet fish this year. A um, wet fish, oh. There's there's a lot there's too many personalities on that Browns team for me like Gronkowski Bucks. you've got yeah like Bruce Arians you've got um, obviously they've just brought in Leonard Fournette I think that might be a good you, pickup you know because I know he's a bit of a, a nightmare but it's a big big personalities on that yeah, team though isn't there it's a good it's a good it's a, no it's interesting I think uh, Saints and Bucks maybe Panthers nah um, no no. Who has a Falcons are always a bit kind of worth an eye on. You never know what they're going to be. They've got some quality yeah, players. Yeah, they're always a bit, bit mad, the Falcons, aren't they? They turn up and smack someone one week and then get smacked the next. Yeah, the Bears, Trubisky, his name's starting quarterback, but your old mate Bill Lazor is uh, offensive coordinator. Good <laughs> mate, defense. What, what a recipe but, that is. Know. Bill Lazor and Trubisky. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be betting a huge amount on that. Uh, Green Bay looked about the same they're going to be there or thereabouts i guess the lions sign adrian peterson and who knows what you know maybe they'll improve a little bit the vikings will be solid again i mean i'm not going to name every team in the nfl but um there's some intriguing prospects out there what about what about from the afc you said dallas what about from the afc you can't really look past Ka- kansas city because i think they've retained a lot of players and they've added some nice players in the draft as well 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's, it's hard to look past them. I think it's always hard to look past the Ravens based on what they did last season. I'm not convinced by the Steelers, and I, I'm, I wouldn't wish injuries on any player, but I think Big Ben's going to struggle again this year. I mean, he's another year on. He's a he's a been an incredible player, as much as I hate to say that, throughout his years. But I, I just seriously question his durability, especially mm-hmm. you know with no preseason and stuff like that. Like, is he going to be up to taking this many hits uh, in his sort of late 30s. I just, I, I'm not sure he's going to be knocking around for the whole season for the Steelers, which will be a concern to them. Um, I'm not convinced by the Browns, to be honest. Why not? Because I mean, they've all... got all the talent. They've got Myers Garrett. They've got Odell Beckham. They've drafted uh, a good-looking tackle. They've picked up a good-looking tackle in free agency. They've got old Chubbers in the backfield. They've got old Baker behind centre, or under centre rather. Um, you know, Stefanski's come in, he's got to be better than Freddie Kitchens. You know, they've got some nice pieces on there. Why not the Browns? Why not this year for the Browns? I think the Browns will probably win six or seven games. I just think whenever you change head coach in that first season and you change a lot of players around and you never have the consistency, I just think it's not good for anyone. It mm. just, it's really difficult to sort of... Um, get a grip for the scheme they're trying to run, get a grip for the culture they're trying to create. Every coach comes in, wants to run it their certain way, have their certain type of players. Focus, you know, They've got a certain way they do meetings, got a certain playbook they like to do. And I just think for, a, you know, Baker Mayfield as well has had a lot of head coach. I mean, you think he had Hugh Jackson back in the day, then Kitchens. Now he's already got onto his third head coach. I never think too many personalities are a good thing in a locker room. You've obviously got Beckham, you've got him. Um, I just, I just don't see. I, I think with the Browns, it's a bit like the Bengals, to be honest. Like they've got to prove you wrong before you give them any respect. It's yeah. we get a lot of shit around the league, and <clears throat> I think that really annoys a lot of Bengals fans. Thinking, you know, why are we always getting disrespected? But you've got to knock some playoff wins together. You've got to be, you know, you've got to win a lot of games. You've got to win primetime games. You've got to earn that respect when people are watching. And I think that's the same for the Browns. No one's going to go out there saying they're going to win the division or win 10 games, regardless of if they've got, you know, Barry Sanders in his prime playing for them, because at the end of the day, they they haven't done it before. So I think that's the issue for the Browns. Um, But I mean, they're going to be competitive. You look at the talent on that team and there's no reason they shouldn't be. So I think the AFC North is going to be fascinating this year. Yeah, it's going to be really tight, isn't it? it is going to be a tight division. And I think as much as the Ravens are like the big favourites, it would only take Lamar Jackson to have a bit of a stinker or to go down with an injury or whatever else. And that division's wide open again. So I think it, I think this year especially, it could be closer than it has been in a long time. Or let me add, teams uh, have found out Lamar Jackson. They might have found yeah. some... I mean, he's a great player. He's great to watch. I know he's a divisional rival, but I do like uh, Lamar um, you know, the Bills may well end up winning the AFC East this year. Uh, you know, the Pats... For the will first be... time in the last century. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is true. Um, you know, the the Pats, it'd be interesting with Cam Newton on the centre. It's going to be a really intriguing uh, season. Again, it's going to be all over the place. So stick with us. Throughout. Last point, Sam. Go on. Last point. Who do you think 
a teams because there are always teams like this every year, like we were last year. Who do you think are the real dud teams out there this year that are going to win two, three games? I mean, I think I think most people would say Jacksonville. I think Miami are going to struggle seriously again. Yeah, I just think, I think it's so. crazy that they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick starting again at quarterback at mm. his ripe old age. I just don't see that as a positive move forward for them. Um, but who else do you I mean, they're obviously two AFC, AFC teams. Are there any other teams that look a bit wobbly to you? Well, it's always the case during the season. Isn't it? If, if teams get off to a bad start, it's really difficult to come back from that. Like, really difficult because the confidence goes, the coach loses the locker room, whatever it might be, the fans turn against them, whatever. Uh, and I agree with Miami, and I agree certainly with Jacksonville, which is weird when you think only a couple of years ago they looked primed for a long run at the at the you know uh, at the playoffs you know what i mean um yeah they're definitely tanking i think um uh, which has got to be quite dispiriting to their fans um who who would be really dreadful i mean washington yeah that's a good shout i mean just shout. from everything that's happened off the field really that's a good shout that's a good shout uh, and you know obviously ron rivera is battling cancer which is a real uh, an awful situation for him but he i believe he intends to carry on coaching and he's a good coach you know he's taking the team to a super bowl um but you know with the players that they've got and all the off the field stuff it's going to be difficult for them to turn that around what about the Giants? Um, they're a bit of an unknown quantity. Uh, the, yeah. the Bears might do badly, although their defence is good. Uh, the I, Lions are always a bit on the risk of having a shit seed. I mean, Matt Stafford's one of those absolutely maddening players where he's mm. obviously got all the talent and he's first-round pick and first-overall pick. But And I love watching him. I think he's a very exciting player, big arm, makes big plays. Though. but inconsistent but yeah he is and the lions just never can put it together they're always they're always all right but yeah i don't know you just think with someone that that talented it's crazy to me they've not had more success no i agree uh all right here's an outside one for you uh philadelphia how about that to be to be shit yeah okay i uh, think any, I, I mean any, they could any? they they could be good i think they're about an eight and eight nine and seven team again but I don't know. They, I don't know what it is about them. I don't. I think their skill players, the standard of their skill players, has gone down. You never know about uh, Carson Wentz. Um, the defense is always tough, but apparently they got a load of injuries. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to say the Eagles. There we go. Uh, so there we go. Uh, we're talking about that. It's now your turn, everybody. Um, we asked everyone to. Throw in their predictions, uh, and they got in touch with us on Twitter at today underscore UK and Facebook, uh, Bengals UK and Bengals UK now on YouTube. Oh yes, and uh, there were loads, so we better get to them, Nathan, um, or else we're going to be here all night. Uh, so Duncan at Slam Dunk the Funk, solid handle. Is Nathan finally on the Joe Mixon train? Loving the latest content updates and really hyped for Sunday when we destroy the Chargers. Winning season incoming, and don't be surprised if we scrape the playoffs. Playing devil's advocate, what happens if we only win four to five games this season, but we are still close in the games? Do you persevere for Zach with Zach for one more year? Yeah, I would. 
I just think these are just such unprecedented circumstances. Um, his leash would be a lot thinner, I think, and his seats would be getting warmer for sure. But I'd, I'd certainly give him another year. To answer Duncan's question, I'm not on the train yet. I might have a look at I might have a look at the ticket prices if he <laughs> starts playing well in the first few weeks when we're actually involved in some competitive games. Um, I think if Taylor wins four games or less, Trouble. unless unless there's like the games of mad close and we're really unfortunate and they're like nail biters and stuff, I think he's really it'd be re- I think he'd be on the outside looking in. I just don't think you can win six games or less in two years and not be in serious trouble. And I think the Bengals have always been very patient with members of staff and obviously with the injuries and the situation this season and starting a rookie quarterback, um, he'd have certainly a defence case there. But I think if he wins four or less games, he'd be on the outside looking in for me. I think the fans would be Mm. pretty irate. Jamie at Trequart Beaster, mega hyped for the season now. It's like Christmas week for me. What are your plans about how to watch the season but keep relatively sane waking hours? Any sleep hacks? Um, I've always always been a big believer in a nap. Um, uh, and I like taking a nap anyway. But certainly in the season, you've got to be quite strategic. I would have one, for instance, if it's a... Uh, a prime time game. I'm not really one for staying up for prime time games any anymore. I just can't. I just don't function too well the next day. Uh, I need my sleep. And uh, uh, yeah, so certainly on a late night game or even a later game, if I'm staying up till like half twelve or one or whatever, then it has to be a, a kind of a twenty minute nap to kind of take the edge off any tiredness. Uh, don't eat too late, I think. Um, although I do like actually scrap that, forget it. I'm just um, I'm a snack hoover when uh, when the games take place. Have you got any any hacks? I bet you just power through, Nathan, don't you? No, you know, I, I've, over the years because I always stay up for the late games, unfortunately, and I've you know watched I've watched Bengals games across bloody you know different time zones in Europe. I've watched a game in a betting shop in Belgrade at four <laughs> in the morning with a pint, so I'm well used to these sort of late night games. But I've always found that the best thing to do is go to bed about eleven, set your alarm for literally one twenty nine for when the game's about to yeah, start. Yeah wake up and you're like, right, bloody, I've had two and a half hours kit, watch the game, go back to bed, and then obviously set your alarm for whatever time you need to be up. That normally gives you about six hours sleep and you feel a bit shit the next day. But at least then you've got something under your belt. I also, I know this sounds boring, but for the late night, those games in the middle of the night, I don't drink at all. You can't. That's the one thing I'd say as a tip. Don't drink when you're watching those games because you can't, you don't want to hang over on top of the lack of sleep, yeah. it's just not a good combo. And if you so, stop drinking, yeah, yeah, if you stop drinking about four half four, and you have to get up for work at say seven half seven, the chances are you're still going to be drunk, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and hangovers UK. We we don't advocate drink driving or drinking at work, my son, do we? No, we do not. Um, Pete Dadswell at Dadders. You can only have two of these on Sunday. Take your pick. Number one, Borrow throws one TD. Number two, Mixon runs in one TD. Three, Green finds the end zone. Four, new defence has two turnovers. 
Five, the O-line gives up no sacks and no false starts. I mean, it's got to be Burrow throws a TD. That's what we're all looking for, a Joe Boy touchdown pass on Sunday to settle him down and to to get his career in Cincinnati going. The other one is... But son, don't, don't, don't you be fooled. You're being fooled by dadders there. Why? If you take AJ Green touchdown, that's getting two birds with one stone because it's going to be thrown by Joe. That's a good shout. That, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's a really good shout, Nathan. Uh, number three, uh, kills two birds. So let's go with number three. And it's a toss-up for me between uh, the new defences, two turnovers... And the offensive line gives up no sacks because if the O line gives up no sacks against Bosa and Ingram, they'll have had a very good day indeed. But I'm going to edge for the defense having two turnovers because again, there's plenty of new pieces, and I want to see them settle quickly. I'm taking four and five. I'm taking the O line not giving up any sacks, which would be an extraordinary achievement, like you said. And then I'm taking the D line um, or the defense getting two turnovers. I think if you get two turnovers in that game and don't give up any sacks, you'll more than likely win it. Shawnee at Shawnee 01. I'm stupidly optimistic about Sunday. I think we're going to absolutely overwhelm them. 38 14 win. (laughs) One of their touchdowns is a pick six as Joe is bound to make a mistake or two. And yes, loving the optimism, Sean, but I think you make a really good point there right at the end. Joe will make mistakes. And this is what we've got to be uh, understanding of and tolerant of. It's not going to be perfect straight away. Um, so yeah, that's just something to, you know... Do you not think, think Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow is like one of these girls you've met on like Tinder or something like you, you know, what online dating website, about? and you're looking at it and you're like, it's some absolutely stunning, like beautiful blonde woman who's got an incredible job and she's super well educated and really funny and like he's a ten out of ten. You just can't believe your luck. Yeah. And then you meet her and she might be slightly underwhelming because he's a bloody rookie. He's probably going to throw a few pick sixes this season. He's going to have some games where he throws for less than 200 yards. And he's going to have games when we sit there and we say, actually, he was shit. But I feel like, you know, people are so excited about the geezer. I mean, I'm, I can't tell my Twitter icons from each other at the moment. Every geezer, every Bengals fan is just a picture of Joe Boy. I know. So, I'm, I mean, I'm excited. I can't <laughs> wait to see Joe. But, I mean, he's, I don't think there's ever been, since I've been a Bengals fan, more hype around one player ever. Yeah, ever, that, ever. that, that so, kind of worries me a little bit. Just, I don't know, just just temper that expectation, I, I would say. Rosie at Rosie underscore May 16. I honestly have no idea how this game could go. There has been so much change. But I think if we can win this first game, it will set us up a lot better for the season. The confidence from the win could do a lot. I agree. Fully agree with that. That That's a really good point. Kevin Jarvis at Kevin J. Jarvis. I can't wait for the new season to start. I have a great feeling we will do well this year. Thank you, Kevin. Jazz at J. Dylan J. We are a lot better on both sides of the ball this year when compared to the last. But with Burrow in his rookie year and an extremely tough division, I will say five to six wins. Okay, so Jazz is erring on the side of caution there. I tell you what, let's bring in our final little uh, uh, montage of uh, Bengals fans' clips. Hey, 
I'm Perrin, I'm from Cornwall, I've been a Bengals fan for 15 years. Uh, this season I'm mainly looking forward to seeing how Burrow can link up with our receiving core and how exciting that looks. Prediction for this coming season, I'll be happy anything really between, you know, six and eight wins really. Nice steady progression, no major injuries and look to go forward from there. Who day. Big Bengals fan from North Yorkshire, excited for the 2020 season kickoff. Bengals still have some issues on the O line in the secondary. I think Joe Burrow can overcome that. Zach Taylor's second year. I think we'll see some green shoots appear in a tough AFC North. My prediction is 8 and 8 this year, followed by a run at the postseason in the 2021-22 season. Hey Huda UK fans, it's Andy Cleanup from Cambridge. Just checking in with a quick van video, wearing my Turk Schoenert jersey. Uh, listen, the thing I'm looking forward to most this year is actually rooting for the Bengals to win, because I kind of sucked last year, hoping they'd lose so they could burrow. But we've got him now, and that last game of the season was fantastic. So looking forward, of course, look to seeing Joe play, uh, crossing my fingers that the offensive line holds up. Uh, but yeah, just really looking forward to, to cheering hard for the Bengals, and hopefully we can sneak in the playoffs this year. Uh, my prediction is a nine and seven wild card season. Take care. Good day. So uh, a big thank you to Perrin Robson, Rory Joe Daniels, and Andy Kalina there. And thanks to everyone who sent in uh, their predictions. Let's get back to our correspondences. Killian at, at Malloy underscore double zero. Conservatively thinking a 6-10 and 10 season. We have a decent 53-man roster. If we can keep everyone healthy, get off to a good start. I'd like to think we could maybe push towards a wild card. 2020 has been a crazy year, so it might not be too bizarre to think we could do well this year. Well, there we go. Um, there's a nice bit of positivity for you. Uh, Duncan Price at Dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. I'm going for a 6-10 and 10 record, and not because I think we'll be bad. I just don't think we're there yet. I think we'll see flashes of Burrow, but the O-line is still a bit of weakness, and it's going to be hard coming in as a rookie after this stilted off-season. And Duncan is on his long run-up, so he continues. I think we're still iffy in the secondary too. No Waynes. WJ3 needs to kick on, as does Bates. Belly's great in the box, but his coverage is questionable. Let's hope a more aggressive D-line brings the standard of the whole defence up to scratch. I see injuries playing a key part this year. I do think if any of the other three QBs go down long-term, we could perhaps hit 8-8. Eight and eight. And then... Who knows? Reasons to be excited and optimistic for sure. Uh, VB at Von Blade. Solid handle. How many How many terrible punny headlines has Jeff already got written? Burrowing into first place. No ordinary Joe. <laughs> Argument over walking through sticky weeds descends into burrow. Dad, what? what? I don't get the last one. Uh, come on, get... Cut Jeff a bit of slack. He is a fine uh, headline writer there, uh, Vaughn. 
Man uh, Abelhosen at Man Abelhosen. Surprised they only claimed one player after the final cuts. Is the back end of the roster set? Or do we expect a few more moves over the next couple of weeks? I'm not sure about deadlines and such, uh, man. Um, I was surprised they didn't go for anyone a little bit more high profile. You know, Prince Amukamara is out there. Uh, yeah, a... I completely agree with that. I, I was very surprised about Calhoun. I mean, there was no other claims placed on him, so we were the only team to actually stick a claim in on him. So it doesn't really matter if we've been first or 31st. It wouldn't have um, made a great deal of difference. But, yeah, I was really surprised. I was hopeful for Rosen um, and maybe, you know, to see if there was anyone else that, was like, like you said, was slightly higher profile or maybe a draft pick that had been cut that didn't make a roster somewhere or a player that, you know, was sort of people were trying to sneak on to their practice squad or something like that but you know I guess the guy's got some experience I think a lot of Dolphins fans I saw when there we claimed we picked him up um were saying like laughing saying oh why would they pick him up why would they pick him up but the guy was undrafted he made the roster last year he played some games a young lad so give him the benefit of the doubt he's a young lad he can improve and obviously someone there at the Bengals has seen something they like about him so fingers crossed Dom at Bungling Bengal Solid handle. Hey guys, hope you're doing well. What do you reckon the odds of Joey beating Baker's rookie TD record? It seems fairly doable in my opinion. P.S. Fantastic job with the live stream last night. Can't wait for many more to come. Uh, we'll tell you a bit what's going to come uh, in a few moments, Don, but I think there's every chance, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, we don't want to hype the boy up too much, but you never know, do you? you know, he's got a good supporting cast. He's got AJ Green, he's got John Ross, he's got Joe Mixon, um, T Higgins, I'm sure, will play a part there, Tyler Boyd, of course. So there's some really dangerous geezers on that field. If CJ's armour can play well as well and give him that sort of threat across Drew the middle. Drew Sample then, coming to fruition. Yeah, yeah exactly. And obviously that line, is, you know, again, that line is healthy. So you've obviously got... Um, Trey Hopkins we know is a good player and Jonah Williams that first round pick top 10 first round pick gets his first chance to show what he's got Bobby Hart be another year on and I think Bobby Hart to his credit well, I'm not going to say that too much but was better last year um, than he was the previous year so if he can take another step forward as well then that line you know if that line can at least be bloody average you know that's what yeah. we're going to be open for yeah. so if that if that falls into place and the offence can drill up some good plays and, you know, put together some good schemes. There's no reason why Joe Burrow couldn't have a knock at that record, but we don't want to run before we walk. Exactly. Uh, Ross at Burrow to AJ. I'll be happy with five or six wins. Best case, maybe eight and eight. If anything, I think it'll be very exciting, though. That's what we're all hoping for, Ross. Some excitement, some competitiveness. uh, And, yeah, we'll see what happens after that. And finally, Nick, and finally, Nick Parks at Big Parks seventy one. I would solid handle. <laughs> I would love to see us tear it up, but I think other teams have more maturity and in depth. I think we should get at least seven wins, which means we may get a sniff of postseason football. Um, I think you know that that confirms everything and encapsulates everything that we've said, Nick. Um, I think that's what we're going for. I think, you know, imagine just going into December and we're still in with a, sh- a shout for the playoffs. You know, that could happen. 
Uh, that's what you want as well. No, you and want that to be relevant in December, difference. don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Because the last, the, that's been the, the problem really is we haven't been competitive since that year that I was talking about earlier in the episode when we, I always remember that game against Pittsburgh, five and two, and Joe Mixon ran one in with less than two minutes left and the Bengals um, succumbed to an Antonio Brown touchdown. Hmm. I always remember then that felt like, God, if we could have got to six and two that year or whatever it was, then that year could have been so different. You know, we may have, may have gone a lot further than we ended up going, whereas it all sort of fell off a cliff. But I just really want to be competitive. Last year was really hard. It really, really was. It was, it was barely watchable at times. Um, yeah. And I just hope, like people have been saying, that if, we can, if there's even a sniff, of postseason football in November and December, and the games mean something. I mean, that's going to be a massive blessing. So, fingers crossed. I agree with all that, and uh, with that, uh, that's the end of our production season prediction episode. Um, as we mentioned, we launched our YouTube channel last week. We've thrown out our fan video for 2020, which has got everyone hyped up, which is great, and. So do tell friends who are new to the NFL, who are looking for teams to support, come and support the Bengals. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on YouTube. And I uh, hope they'll be introduced to uh, an inclusive, friendly, welcoming fan community. And dare I say it, and I think I do, uh, it's one of the best fan communities out there in the UK. Um, so do tell them. Spread the word. Show them the video, uh, and uh, whatever happens, we'll have a lot of fun this season. Uh, going forward, we will be uh, ha- continuing our online tailgates, and dare I say it, and I think I do, we were the first ones ever to, I think I think it was genuinely a world first, Nathan, when we started our online tail. I'm being serious, online tailgates last year, and what we're going to be doing this year, we're going to take them uh, onto YouTube. So we still want to see your pictures and videos and all the rest of it, uh, but we want you to. But you're going to see them in a an online tailgate show. We're going to have lots of guests and and Bengals fans from around the UK contributing. It'll be an hour each Sunday, unless it's a prime time game. We slightly earlier this year. At, uh, we're going to start at 4.30 so watch out for them we're going to be starting this Sunday our first online tailgate of the season so do join us uh, I'm out of breath I'm knackered with all the activity and the flurry of of news and roster cuts and all the excitement uh, so I'm going to bid you farewell it's here everybody the next time we speak we will be reviewing the Chargers game next Monday so it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.